The great multitude cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. Would you all please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer, and our Lamb. Amen. Amen. What is the most important thing in America? I mean, think if you can, if you could take a step back from it all and look at this country, what would you say is the most important thing? What do we prioritize the most in our country? Some might say after a week like we just had that baseball and the World Series is the most important thing in America. Baseball is, after all, the great American pastime, or at least holding a hot dog in one hand and a cold beer in the other, watching baseball, it doesn't get a whole lot more American than that. Or maybe some would say that the greatest thing in America is its willingness to fight against tyranny and terrorism. This week there was yet another terrorist attack against innocent civilians in New York City, and the response in condemning the attack was universally accepted across this nation. What's the most important thing in all of America. I would make the case that the most important thing for Americans is freedom. Freedom, right? Think about it. We talk about freedom all the time. The freedom to speak, the freedom to worship, the freedom to vote, the freedom not to vote. Nothing, nothing is more important to Americans on both the political left and the political right than maintaining the freedom of the individual to do as he or she pleases. We hear and talk about freedom all the time. And because freedom is the most important thing in America, we've created a culture where privacy is more important than community. Where no one should ever be asked to suffer for anyone else. Where we get to say whatever we want and others get to say whatever they want, you know, so long as it doesn't infringe upon what I want to say. In a strange and weird and paradoxical way, our bondage to political realities and political choices and political freedom has resulted in our slavery to the thing we hold most dear. We are slaves to freedom. When my family and I moved here a couple months ago, after we finally finished unpacking most of the house, we set up our TV and we signed up for cable. It took us a long time to get used to watching commercials again because all through seminary and through the last four years at the last appointment, we didn't have cable television. I liked, I got used to watching a narrative all the way, all the way through without being interrupted. So when commercials started, when we started to actually have to watch commercials for the first time, I paid attention way more than I ever did in the past. You know, I, I noticed uh, right as soon as we got TV that almost every commercial we, we watched, it all had to do with the body. If you take this pill, you will be stronger. If you go on this diet, you will be thinner. If you use this shampoo, you will get the man of your dreams. If you use this deodorant, you'll get the woman of your dreams. And I knew that if I saw a commercial with two individuals sitting in separate bathtubs or just an older couple looking way too intimate with one another, I didn't need to listen to the dialogue to know what they were trying to sell. And then something changed. 
Almost without warning, two months ago, there was not a single commercial break on television without an ad for the gubernatorial race that comes to its fruition on Tuesday. And the more I witnessed the ads, the more I realized something bizarre. I never, not once, did I see an ad for either candidate that described what they were actually for. Instead, every ad I witnessed was about attacking the other. So at this point, I'm really sad to say that I can't tell you anything about either one of them. But I can tell you what's wrong with both of them. And we, here in America, we call that freedom. Today we celebrate the saints of God. Since nearly the very beginning of the church has set aside a day every year to remember the great cloud of witnesses who have gone before us in the faith, stretching across all the centuries and stretching across all the world. We take time to read their names and we pause for a moment to praise the Lord for the many ways those, shape, those saints shape our faith even here and now. And we, we don't get to choose our saints, much like we don't get to choose our politicians. I mean, we do get to choose them in the sense that we vote on them, but friends, more often than not, we just get the ones we deserve. Today, our culture is separated and divided into two categories, donkeys and elephants. Just about every fabric of our lives can be whittled down to one of these two dominant political ideologies, such that we can't watch TV, we can't read a newspaper, we can't get online, we can't even drive down the road without being bombarded by one of these two animals. This suffocating political atmosphere of today is oppressive, and it often forces us to identify what camp we're in. Am I a donkey, or am I an elephant? And sadly, because we have this ultimate and important and total freedom, the thing we hold dear, we can surround ourselves with people who look like us, who think like us, and perhaps most importantly, people who vote like us. But friends, let me tell you, saints are the kind of people who did not give their lives to a donkey, they didn't give their lives to an elephant, they gave their lives to the lamb. There is a reason we don't often read Revelation in church on Sunday. It's one of the weirdest books in the Bible. In it, you can find the kind of stuff that people often shout from the street corners of life. In it, we can read about beasts and dragons and lambs. And oftentimes, it is used by those of more fundamentalist leaning, not to scare the hell out of us, but to scare the hell into us. But for as much as Revelation is about a time yet to come, it is also about what faithful life is here and now. There is a vision, a vision of a great multitude, such that no one could count how many people they were there, people from every nation, every tribe, every language, and they're all standing before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands, and they're singing. The group that is beyond all groups is gathered around the one Lamb on the throne. They are the ones who have come out of the great ordeal and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. In God's time, all people will be washed by the blood of the Lamb. Through the death of Christ on the cross, the death of the Lamb, salvation has come. Here now, we are washed through the waters of baptism. 
Baptism. It gives us an identity that is greater than any donkey or elephant ever can. Our baptism, it's something that frees us more than any declaration of independence ever can. Our baptism, it's something that saves us better than any politician ever can. Baptism is the beginning of a journey that leads to sainthood. Because in baptism, we enter into the revolution of God, where the, the Lamb on the throne determines our lives more than anything else. In baptism, we can find a unity through the water that is almost completely absent in every other part of life. Church, thanks be to God, is one of the last remaining places where we willfully gather with people who don't think like us, who don't look like us, who don't act like us, and who don't vote like us. I don't know how it's possible, but church is like the only place left where what we believe is more important than anything else. Church, It's the place where we affirm that no matter what our political sign says in our front yard, no matter who we choose in the voting booth, our worship, our dedication to the Lamb is more important. Whenever we gather here, we are brought before the throne with the Lamb at the center. This thing we call worship, it's our last best chance to be reminded that God is the one guiding us to springs of water, that God is the one wiping away every tear from our eyes, Church, it's the place where we come to meet the saints with hope that someone might call us a saint when we're gone. We live between Alpha and Omega. We live between the beginning and the end. We rest in this time between when we can hear the heavenly choirs proclaiming in the future and we can also hear that heavenly choir at the beginning of time itself. And like the saints of Revelation, we sing our music. The music of the saints, the very music of salvation, it gives a different sound and understanding to what we prioritize in this life. When we sing with the great cloud of witnesses from the past and the present and the future, we boldly proclaim that it is always the Lord who saves and never the empire. When we lift our voices together to the sky, we do so in declaration that the Lamb is more important than any donkey or any elephant. It is through the music of God, through the sounds of the saints, that we receive the endurance to make it through this life. That heavenly choir, a choir we harmonize with here on earth, it invites a revolution that will not let division have the final word. It was almost exactly a year ago that I woke up one morning while it was still dark outside. I showered and I got dressed and I put my clergy collar around my neck and I left the house. I got in my car, I left from the parsonage, I drove down the road to the local Seventh-day Adventist church because that was to be my polling place for our last presidential election. As I drove down the hill from the parsonage, I passed sign after sign after sign with the names of the people who were going to be on that form at the polling place. When I got to the church, its lawn was littered and covered with signs, with the names of the people that we'd be voting on in our polling place. And I was sort of surprised to discover that when I got to the parking lot, I was one of the only people there. I think I voted before anybody else in San Virginia. When I got uh, to the door, I opened it, and I walked into the fellowship hall at the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And inside, I found the polling operators, the workers, and they looked depressed. 
It looked like the last year, the last two years of political inquiry had sucked the very life out of them. After two years of fighting and bickering, two years where $2 billion were spent on elections, not million, $2 billion were spent to decide between two people, or maybe three or four, but basically two people. And so I walked into the room, I, I went up to the table, I gave them my driver's license, they sent me over to my booth, I sat down, and there on a piece of paper was something that people had given their lives for. It, in a sense, is the very freedom that we so celebrate in our country. There were names and circles and a perfectly sharpened number two pencil. And I had to vote. And then I took my ballot over to the machine, I put it in the machine's mouth, it ate my vote, and then it gave me, because I had voted. And only then did I lift my head and look at the wall, because right there above my pudding machine was a painting of Jesus. And it wasn't Jesus on the cross. It wasn't Jesus feeding the 5,000. It wasn't Jesus walking on water. It wasn't any of those moments from the Gospels we talk about all the time. It was Jesus, and he was laughing his butt off. <laughs> and it was perfect. Because how foolish and fickle are we that we think we can save ourselves, that we can choose between two people and find our own salvation. It was as if Jesus was looking on the two voting booths. He was looking on the elephants and the donkeys, and all he could do was laugh at us and laugh at me. Salvation belongs to God alone. In the vision of Revelation, we have all nations and races and creeds and languages. They're all pictured there at the throne, but none of them are responsible for salvation. All of them, however, are guilty of promising something to a particular group of people while damning another group at the same time. The donkeys and the elephants, they cannot and they will not save us. They exist to instill a sense of freedom that actually isolates us from one another rather than binding us to one another. The donkeys and the elephants, they rid us of our baptismal identities and they tell us that who we vote for is the most important and determinative thing of our lives. They promise a salvation, but they only bring division. The Lamb of God is at the center of the throne. The saints of God, those who came before, those who are with us now, and those who are yet to come, they sing with one voice, salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. Not a donkey, not an elephant, the Lamb. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Amen.